Now, the family just wasn't really a big fan of Eric's wife. But again, just because they did not like Corey did not mean that she was somehow involved in her husband's death. So the investigation continued. Hey everyone, welcome back to What Happened with Jackie Flores. I'm Jackie and I'm super, super excited that you guys are listening to my new podcast. I know I say this often, but you guys are truly the best familia ever. I appreciate all the support and love that you guys show this podcast. Every single day, I look forward to working on the show and improving it, and I just can't wait to see how the podcast continues to grow. Now, today's case is wild. When I first heard about this, I couldn't believe that this was true. It's just honestly shocking. Today, we're going to be talking about what happened to Eric Richens. This is a very highly requested case, and what's crazy about this is that Eric was betrayed by someone he loved, someone he trusted. There is just so much information to go over, so let's jump right in and let's talk about what happened to Eric Richens. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Eric Eugene Richens was born on May 13, 1982 in Bountiful, Utah to his parents, Jean and Linda Richens. Eric was the eldest in the family, and he had two younger sisters named Katie and Amy, who he absolutely loved, and he was very close to them. Eric came from a very large family that was very well known locally within the town, and a lot of Eric's family members were active in local politics, and they were also active in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Eric was very involved in the church, and he actually served a two-year mission in Mexico City where he learned to speak Spanish fluently. His family was very well known that they kind of had like a legacy in the area, and his family says that because of this legacy, it shaped Eric's formative years, and this resulted in a lifetime of hard work, dedication, and fierce loyalty. Eric's family has owned a cattle ranch for over 100 years, and growing up, Eric helped out on it. He spent countless hours tending to horses and cows, hauling hay and just doing other work. Now, growing up, Eric was a really good athlete. He really loved sports, and whether it was watching sports on TV or actually playing them, he just enjoyed being around it. On top of enjoying sports, he was also an outdoorsman and a dedicated hunter. He was a great archer and marksman, and he had multiple trophy animals from all around the world, including Africa, Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. Now, while Eric loved to have fun and be adventurous and wild, he was also studious, and he wanted to get a good education. So he got a degree in international studies with a minor in Spanish at the University of Utah. After graduating from college, he decided that he wanted to become an entrepreneur. So he decided to start a masonry business called CNE Stone Masonry with his business partner and close friend named Cody Wright. In this masonry business, they would focus on intricate outdoor stonework, pavers, and tile work. If you take a look at the company's Instagram page, you can see all the work that they've done, and they've done some really beautiful work, 
and it seems like they mainly focused on high-end homes. I love these type of homes. I think they look super pretty. They look very rich and elegant. So, you know, all the work that Eric and his partner did was really good. And Eric was really proud of this company that he built from scratch. Now, as for Eric's love life, he actually married a woman named Julie Jorgensen, but their marriage did not last long and they ended up getting separated. They didn't have any children together or anything like that. And unfortunately, years after they separated, Julie actually passed away in a tragic car accident. Her car was stopped at a red light when a truck actually crashed into her killing her. It's very tragic and after his separation with Julie and her passing, Eric met a woman named Corey in 2013 when she was working as a cashier at a local Home Depot that he frequently went to. So let's talk a little bit about who Corey is. Corey was born on April 20th, 1990 and she got her master's at Utah State University. A friend of Eric and Corey named Linda came out and spoke about how the two met. Now Linda was also working as a cashier along with Corey at this home Home Depot. So they were co-workers and they were friends. They both worked in the contractor section, so anybody that went in there for, you know, contracting reasons to buy supplies for that would check out with these girls. Now, Linda says that most contractors were a little bit moody. If they had to wait even like 30 minutes for their supplies to arrive, they would get fussy. So it was kind of difficult to deal with the customers, but there was this one specific customer that never made any type of fuss. And that was Eric Richens. Linda says that Eric was absolutely amazing. He was so kind, so sweet, and just lovely to be around. Even if he had to wait an hour for supplies to arrive, he would never make any type of fuss. He would never get upset. And he would just walk around the store talking to the employees and trying to make jokes and just have a good time. He had such good energy. Eric and Linda actually had this little joke between them where anytime Eric would come into Home Depot, he would tell her that he was trying to find her a good boyfriend friend. And then Linda would tell him that, you know, he has to meet all of these type of requirements and he has to look this way, etc. And then Eric would just kind of laugh and tell her that she's too particular. And it was kind of just like a funny joke between them. Now, Eric would often be there because, again, he owns his own business where he works with houses. So, of course, he's going to be at Home Depot. And Linda says that she noticed that anytime he was checking out with her, he would kind of look over to where Corey was working because, again, she was also working at another register nearby. So he kind of look over at her and Linda noticed that and figured that he probably had a crush on her. So she told Eric to go over there and have her check him out instead, so he did. They ended up talking and in the end, they decided to go on a date. From then on, Linda says that Eric and Corey were glued to each other and that their relationship seemed perfect. It was like a fairy tale romance. After starting to date Eric, Corey left her job as a cashier at Home Depot and her and Linda did keep in touch with each other. Linda says that she just had such a special connection to the pair because in a way, she was the one that brought them together and helped them start this relationship. To her, it felt like they were her children, and she was just so proud of them. Now, going back to Corey, Linda says that she was a very sweet girl and that she had a really good personality and was just absolutely beautiful. The majority of the guys at Home Depot thought that she was the it girl. She also added that Corey was very smart and that she would often tell her to go stop working at Home Depot and go do something else with her life, you know, go accomplish something more. And it seemed like Corey did exactly that. She left Home Depot and she married Eric in June of 20. 2013. Their wedding actually happened in the backyard of their home in Camas, a small mountain town about 40 miles east of Salt Lake, Utah.
Utah in Summit County. After they got married, Corey became a real estate agent and she often flipped homes and she did very well for herself. The pair ended up having three boys together who are now ages nine, seven, and five. And I'm not gonna share their names just for their own privacy. Now, Eric's world revolved around his family. Everyone says that he was a wonderful husband and father. He was attentive and he just wanted to give his three children and his wife the best life possible. He wanted to provide for them and make sure that they had the best opportunities to learn, grow, and just have fun. Again, he was also very athletic and he was an assistant coach on all of his son's sports teams. So he was a very involved father. He would always tell the teams, give it your all. Now, Eric also loved to have fun, and he was the life of the party. He was very outgoing and social, and he was known by all of his neighbors. He also had a love for automobiles, and he had many trucks and snowmobiles. His business was also doing very well, and he had many clients, and his net worth was around $3.6 million, which is crazy. I mean, it honestly seems like Eric had it all. You know, wonderful kids, a successful business, a beautiful home, and a loving wife. But unfortunately, as we know, things aren't always as they seem. So let's talk about what happened on March 3rd, 2022. 33-year-old Corey and 39-year-old Eric were celebrating the closing on a sale of a house that Corey had just made. This was a very big sale, so the two of them were having fun, making drinks, and just enjoying this time together. This was all happening at around 9 p.m., and while Eric and Corey were awake, all three of their sons were already sleeping in bed. At some point in the night, Eric went to the bedroom, so Corey decided to make him a Moscow mule, and she brought it up to him in bed. Eric drank it, he had a THC gummy, and then they both went to sleep. Not long after that, Corey woke up because one of their sons was having a nightmare. She went to his room to comfort him and, you know, put him back to sleep, but she ended up falling asleep in his bedroom. Then at around 3 a.m., she woke up and went back to her room to continue to sleep. However, when she got back into bed, she found that Eric was cold to the touch and unresponsive. She grabbed her phone that had been charging on her bedside the whole night and she called 911 at around 3.20 in the morning. When the Summit County Sheriff's deputies and emergency medical workers arrived to the home, they found Eric on the floor at the end of the bed. Corey told them that she had attempted to do CPR and the EMTs also attempted life-saving measures, but unfortunately, they were not able to revive him. In the morning of March 4th, Eric was officially declared dead. Before we continue with what happened, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors at ZocDoc. We've all been there, right? You can't stop thinking about a possible health problem that you have and you're about to text your group chat to see, you know, what your friends think about it. Well, not so fast. Trust me, you're extremely unlikely to find quality medical advice from your group chat, so don't even bother but you can find it from a doctor on ZocDoc. There are literally thousands of medical professionals on ZocDoc that are there to help you and give you the expert care that you need. When someone is just exceptionally good at what they do, whether it's a waiter, a doctor, or you know my eyelash girl, you know you're in good hands. When you find the right doctor, you can just feel it because you feel heard and at ease. On ZocDoc, finding the doctor that's right for you is actually seamless and quality care awaits you with just a few taps in the ZocDoc app. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. Surprise twists might work for true crime podcasts, but they definitely don't for your medical care. With ZocDoc, there's no alarms and no surprises. So make sure to go to ZocDoc.com Jackie and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. 
That's zocdoc.com slash Jackie, zocdoc.com slash Jackie. This was just shocking to everyone. I mean, Eric was only 39 years old. That's very young, and he seemed to be a very healthy guy. So what happened? What caused Eric to die? Well, because of Eric's good health at the time of his death, an investigation started into figuring out what went wrong. They decided to conduct a toxicology report on Eric, and what this report found was shocking. According to this report, Eric had been killed by a large amount of fentanyl. In fact, the medical examiner stated that Eric had five times the lethal dosage of this drug in his system. It was also discovered that the fentanyl wasn't medical grade, but more likely something that you would get on the street. This was shocking because Eric had never had a history with hard drugs. Eric's friends and family claimed that this was unusual, and they immediately wondered if he had been poisoned because they couldn't believe that this was just an accidental overdose. After listening to the family's suspicions, police got a warrant for Eric and Corey's home as well as for their phones and computers. During the investigation, it became clear that even though Eric was such a family man, his family did not get along with Corey his wife. Now, Eric's family had told him that he had to get a prenup before he married Corey. When Eric had gotten married the first time with his first wife, they didn't insist that he get one. So it's hard to tell if they wanted one now with Corey, you know, due to his first divorce or if this was personal, like they knew that Corey was out for his money or something like that. And for those who don't know, a prenup is a legal document that you sign that states what both people get in the case of a divorce. And it typically, it means that whatever assets or money one person or sometimes both had before their marriage stays theirs. So for example, if Eric already owned a house before he married Corey, that house would stay with him and it wouldn't be divided in a divorce. But prenups can be negotiated, so they're not all the same. So on Eric and Corey's wedding day, Eric's mother showed up with the prenup and she handed it to Corey. And Corey actually ended up signing it that same day. Now, the family just wasn't really a big fan of Eric's wife. But again, just because they did not like Corey did not mean that she was somehow involved in her husband's death. So the investigation continued. On March 5th, 2022, just two days after Eric had died, Corey had a group of friends come over to her home. Some people were calling it a large party where people were drinking and, you know, having fun. Now, having a lot of friends around you after something like this isn't super uncommon. Maybe her friends just wanted to support her and, you know, be there for her and they didn't want her to be alone. However, I don't know if that's the case here because apparently this party wasn't to help Corey cope with the death of her husband. This party was to celebrate the closing of the million dollar mansion I mentioned earlier, which is odd. I mean, why are you partying just two days after your husband died? But again, this is just what the news station are reporting. I don't know if Corey has come out and told police that it wasn't like a full-on party, that they were just having a gathering. Like I mentioned earlier, it's common after, you know, a loved one passes away. So again, I don't know if this was a full-on party because if it was a full-on party, it kind of just makes me question the friends as well. Like, why are you all partying after your best friend's husband just passed away? It's just a little bit weird. Now, somewhere along the night, according to Corey, Eric's two sisters showed up to the home and they refused to leave and began threatening and verbally accosting Corey. Corey asked the sisters to leave and give her some time and space to grieve the passing of her husband. After that, Katie said to Corey that Corey did not own the home because it was Eric's family home and that she would ensure Corey was kicked out of the house. This upset Corey and she actually filed a complaint against 
them over this whole situation. The next day, on March 6, Corey planned to have a locksmith come to the house to drill into Eric's safe that had between $125,000 and $165,000 in cash. Maybe she needed the money to help pay for the funeral or, you know, something like that. We're not sure why she needed this money, but she was determined to open up that safe. However, that's when Eric's sister, Katie, chimed in and said that Corey did not have the authority to open the safe because she was a trustee, not Corey. Now, the news reports aren't too specific about this, you know, how Katie found out that Corey was going to open the safe. Maybe she just stopped by at the house, and when she stopped by, she saw Corey, you know, getting ready to do this. I'm not sure. But when Katie told Corey about this, Allegedly, Corey punched Katie in the face and in the neck. I feel like that's a very big reaction. Like, I'm sure Corey assumed that she was a trustee for her husband, so finding out that she wasn't and that her sister-in-law was, was probably very shocking to her. But did she really need to punch her in the face? Deputies responded to the scene and they called Eric's estate lawyer. This is when a lot of other details came to light about Eric's finances. So let's talk about these details because it's a lot to take in. Eric had recently changed his will and his life insurance to make his sister Katie and his business partner Cody Wright his beneficiaries in the event of his death. You know, when I read that, I was kind of thinking to myself, why would Cody be the new beneficiary? Well, according to Eric's family attorney, Greg, he says that this is a pretty common practice that business partners do. When two people go into business together, they often get mutual life insurance policies on each other. That way, if one of the partners dies, you can get the funds to buy the other party out. So I guess it's a pretty common thing. So instead of his wife, Corey, being the beneficiary to his will and to his life insurance, his sister and business partner were. On January 1st, 2022, Corey allegedly logged into Eric's life insurance policy without authorization and changed the beneficiary for Eric's $2 million policy to herself. Again, Eric actually shared this plan with his business partner, Cody. So Cody was actually notified about this change by the insurance company, and he let Eric know about this change. After this, they both changed it back and they removed Corey from the policy. However, they never confronted her about this or told her that they changed it back. So she was actually completely unaware of this. She was still living her life thinking that she was the sole beneficiary to Eric's life insurance policy, but that was not the case. So, unknown to Corey, Eric had transferred the family home, all personal property, and his interest in the masonry business he ran with his friend and partner Cody into a trust called Eric Richens Living Trust in 2020. And then he placed it in the sole control of his sister Katie for the primary benefits of his three minor children. So, after learning all of this new information after her husband's death, it was a huge shock to Corey. She just didn't expect this. You know, she was left with nothing after her husband's death, and it surprised her because in the prenup, it stated that if Eric died during their marriage, she would get everything, including a $2.5 million stake in his business. But now she had nothing. So Eric's sister, Katie, claimed ownership of Eric and Corey's home as part of his trust. Corey tried to fight that, and she argued against it, saying that she was the rightful owner of the home. According to Corey, they both helped pay for the down payment of the house, and they also both contributed to the mortgage. But court documents say that Corey's name was not on the deed of the home. So... Two weeks after Eric's death, Corey had to put the house that she closed on back on the market. And then four weeks after Eric's death, Corey filed a claim against Katie and Eric's estate on March 28, 2022. The document said that despite the alleged assignment of their homes to the trust, Eric bought the home using funds from him and Corey's joint accounts. Eric allegedly assigned the property to the trust without Corey's knowledge. Katie countersued Corey and she asked the court to dismiss Corey's claim and, you know, she wasn't countersuing her for money, but instead she 
just asked that Corey pay the trust's attorney fees and costs. In her answer filed last June, Katie points to the suspicious circumstances of her brother's death and the fact that police were investigating it as a possible murder. So, it honestly seems like Eric's family thought or was implying that Corey had some part in Eric's death. Aside from the estate dispute with Eric's sister, there was no concrete evidence tying Corey to the crime. So, during this time, Corey put her all into raising her three children. To help her kids grieve the loss of their dad, she actually started writing a picture book called Are You With Me, which is a children's book about processing the death of a loved one. According to its description on Amazon, the book was written to create peace and comfort for children who have just lost a loved one. It's to reassure children that although your loved one is not present, their presence always exists and they will walk through life with you as if they were here. In the book, a boy wonders if his father who has just died notices his goals at a soccer game, his nerves on the first day of school, or the presents found under a Christmas tree. In the book, an angel-winged father figure wearing a trucker hat responds with, Yes, I am with you. I am with you when you scored that goal. I am with you when you walked the halls. I am here and we're together. In the book, it also says, Dedicated to my amazing husband and a wonderful father. Corey wanted the book to bring peace to herself and to her kids and many other families who had gone through something similar. And this book became pretty successful. It was published on March 5th, 2023, just days after the one-year anniversary of Eric's death. It was very successful, so much so that Corey actually went to do a couple of interviews on TV and on the radio to talk about the book. Corey told the media that she decided to write it after her husband unexpectedly died last year, leaving her widowed and raising three boys all on her own. She said she looked for materials for children on grieving loved ones and found few resources, so she decided to create her own. And she actually planned to write a couple of sequels. She actually went on a segment called Good Things Utah, and on the segment, Corey said for children grieving was about making sure that their spirit is always alive in your home. It's, you know, explaining to my kids, just because he's not present here with us physically doesn't mean his presence isn't here with us. And as she was talking about this, the anchors on the show were commending her for being such an amazing and strong mother. In that interview, she said, quote, I just watched the struggle that my kids were going through. Nights are the hardest, it seems, for everybody when you're dealing with anything, but I just wanted some story to read to my kids at night. I couldn't find anything that really suited them or helped them find comfort and peace. And so she wrote it herself. Now, this would be a heartwarming ending to the story, but a month after this interview, some disturbing details started to emerge in the investigation of Eric's death. Investigators started to find disparities in Corey's account of the night. Now, Corey had said that she performed CPR on Eric, but that seemed unlikely to fire and EMS first responders with how much blood was coming from the victim's mouth. When the first responders were administering life-saving measures to Eric, they asked where Eric's medications were, and Corey said that she didn't know. She actually blamed the maid for putting them in random places. I wasn't able to find details on this, but I wonder, you know, what medication was he on? So remember earlier I mentioned that Corey's phone was in her bedroom charging the entire night? Well, that's what she told detectives. But when they later investigated her phone records and activity, it was discovered that her phone had been locked and unlocked multiple times between the time she said she had gone to her son's bedroom and the 911 call. She also had sent messages and received text messages during that time, but those messages were later deleted. This is what the court documents say, but to me it's like, why does she need to delete messages after her husband's death? Like, what was she hiding? It was also revealed that on March 3rd, 2022, just hours before Eric died, 
Corey had a lengthy telephone call with the IRS and she actually talked to a money lender. So it kind of makes you wonder, you know, what were these conversations about? Now, on top of all of those discrepancies in Corey's story, according to Eric's family, he was thinking of divorcing Corey. He had actually met with a lawyer in 2020, but he never filed or moved forward with anything after that. So it seems like things were not well in the marriage at all. Also, family and friends had come forward and they told investigators some disturbing details about Corey's behavior towards Eric over the years. According to Amy, Eric's younger sister, Eric and his wife went to Greece a few years ago. During this trip, Corey gave Eric a drink and soon after that, Eric became violently ill. He called Amy saying that he believed that Corey had tried to kill him. A month before his death on February 14th, 2022, literally Valentine's Day, Corey had left a sandwich on the seat of Eric's truck with a love note. After eating it, Eric immediately broke into hives and he couldn't breathe. Now, breaking into hives can be a side effect of exposure to fentanyl. Fortunately, he was able to use his son's EpiPen as well as Benadryl just before passing out for several hours. After Eric woke up, he actually called his business partner and told him that he thought Corey was trying to kill him. Now, apparently, Eric said to his family members that if he died, his wife would be responsible. I'm just a little confused by this. I wonder if anyone in the family confronted Corey about these allegations. You know, why didn't Cody say anything to police or to Corey herself? If my friend came to me and said that they thought his wife was trying to kill him, I feel like I would have done something about it. But again, I'm not trying to judge because I'm not in that situation, but it is just shocking because, you know, Corey had tried to poison him before and she wasn't behind bars for it. At the same time, I just want to emphasize that this is all hearsay, so we don't know how factual any of this is, and it is just a little bit confusing because Eric never went to the hospital for this. You know, he never went to the doctor about this, so it's just a lot. Now, according to the Daily Mail, they somehow got a hold of Eric's will, and they said that in the will, he included written instructions of what to do in the case of his disappearance or abduction, which, if that's true, is crazy, shocking, and just insane. Now, after all of this, a lot of people might be wondering, why did Eric stay in the marriage? Why would he stay with someone who was trying to change his will, trying to change his life insurance, and trying to poison him? Well, it's because of their three sons. According to the family attorney, Eric always wanted his children to have a nuclear household, and he wanted his children to be happy with two parents, and he wanted to show them what a happy marriage would look like. But I'm sure deep down, he also still loved Corey, despite of all of the things that she had done to him. Also, remember how Corey said that her and Eric were celebrating her closing on a house? Well, apparently, Eric and Corey had been arguing about a 22,000 square foot partially completed mansion that she wanted to buy for $2 million so that she could flip it. Now, Eric's family told police that Eric was going to tell Corey that she could not buy this house. But at this point, the authorities still did not have enough evidence against Corey. Eric's family just saying these things didn't really prove anything because there was no evidence Corey had done something those other times. Again, because Eric didn't go to the hospital, so there was no record that any of these poisonings had actually happened. There were also no calls to the police made about these poisonings. So Corey just continued her tour promoting her book. And all throughout this time, she had custody of her three boys. But in May 2023, two months after Corey's TV interview to promote her book, 
investigators finally made a breakthrough. The investigators searched Corey's phone and they found several communications with an acquaintance of hers named CL. According to court documents, CL has faced multiple drug charges in the past. When investigators reached out to CL, they told investigators that between December of 2021 and February of 2022, Corey had actually reached out to them, seeking help getting prescription pain medication for an investor who had a back injury. She purchased hydrocodone pills from him. CL dropped the drugs off at a house that Corey was selling in Midway, Utah, and Corey had left the cash there for him to take. So they never actually saw each other. Now, two weeks after her first purchase, Corey contacted CL again, asking for something stronger. Corey asked for some of the Michael Jackson stuff, specifying that she was looking for fentanyl. On February 11th, CL sold her 15 to 30 fentanyl pills for $900, according to the court documents. Just a few days after, she bought the pills was February 14th, 2022, the day when Eric had a near-death reaction to the sandwich that Corey had left him. Two weeks after that, Corey had purchased another $900 worth of fentanyl from CL. And then six days later, Eric was found dead of a fentanyl overdose. So after learning all of this information on Monday, May 8th, 2023, Corey was arrested and charged with one count of first-degree aggravated murder and three counts of possession of a controlled substance with the intent to distribute in connection to Eric's murder. And the drug in this charge is actually called GHB, also known as the date rape drug. Margaret Olson, one of the case's prosecutors, says that Corey is assumed innocent until proven guilty. And she also reminded us that this case involves three young children and that it should be handled with sensitivity. A spokesperson for Eric's family, Greg, said, I think the more we know about Corey, the more we know that this was money-driven. According to the trial lawyer, Danielle Cohen, she says it seems that Corey orchestrated meticulously the death of her husband. She said, I don't think anybody should be surprised if the state goes after the death penalty. Now, Corey and Eric's friends found this arrest news to be very shocking. Linda, the friend that I mentioned earlier who introduced Corey and Eric, spoke about the shock to the news after the arrest. She said that when she heard the news, she said that she was praying to God that this wasn't true and that their family was so beautiful and everything was so picture perfect. But after hearing the news and the allegations, she says, I guess it wasn't. Linda said that when she first heard the news that Eric died, before any of this new information or Corey's arrest had come out, she was heartbroken. Corey had told her that Eric died of a brain aneurysm. And, you know, Linda was just so surprised and devastated, but she never questioned it or, you know, suspected any type of foul play. She thought, well, it is what it is poor Eric. She even thought about buying Corey's book to support her, and she says that now looking back at it, she finds this deeply disturbing. Like, it makes her sick to her stomach to think about how Corey allegedly murdered her husband and then wrote a book about how to deal with the grief. Now, while she wants to leave it up to the courts to decide, Linda says that she is completely torn over the news and she's trying to wrap her head around something that seems so unbelievable. She doesn't understand how Corey could do something like that. And she says, quote, she wouldn't do that. She had too much. It's more than super shocking. I feel really numb. And I agree. Corey had everything. She had a wonderful, loving and hardworking husband, someone who wanted to provide for his family and just give them the best life possible. He was an absolutely amazing amazing father and had three wonderful children together. She had a good life, so why did she do this? I mean, allegedly, it's because she wanted money, but why? 
I just will never understand. Now, apparently someone has tried to break into the family home twice during the week of May 15th, 2023 on a Monday and a Tuesday night. And although no one is living there right now, a security has been put there by Eric's family and they believe someone is trying to break in to look for something. Maybe money? I don't know. A spokesperson for the family named Greg also said in the news interview that Eric told his family that he believed Corey was having an affair throughout their marriage, but didn't share any details as to why Eric thought this. Corey's hearing was actually scheduled for May 19th, 2023, but it was actually postponed one day before it was supposed to happen, and it's now been rescheduled for June 12th because of amended charges that gave more insight into the case and into the timeline. Let's talk about those updates. It recently came out that Eric discovered in September of 2020 that Corey had gotten and spent a $250,000 home equity line of credit on their home and had taken $100,000 from his bank account, as well as spent $30,000 on Eric's credit cards. Also, allegedly, Corey was in charge of paying Eric's taxes, and apparently she didn't pay them. Now, Eric allegedly confronted her about this, and she agreed to pay him back. So a month after this, Eric consulted with a divorce lawyer and an estate planning lawyer in October of 2020. And after this is when he started the trust. But between then and his death, he never made any other moves towards actually divorcing her. His family claims he was going to tell her about wanting a divorce, but I don't know if there's any physical proof of that that's been made public. Now, also between 2015 and 2017, Corey took out four life insurance policies on Eric that were just shy of $2 million. And Eric must have not known about any of this because he didn't disclose them to the trust. Then in late January, 2022, Corey applied for a new $100,000 life insurance policy on Eric, which was issued on February 4th, 2022, just one month before his death. Apparently, before March 1st, 2022, Corey owed $189,000 in taxes and a hard money lender almost $2 million. Apparently, she also owed Eric around $514,000. I mean, this just seems like a lot of debt. Like, reading all of this, I'm like exhausted because I don't get how someone has so much debt and it's not clear what the this money lender was for. All of this information makes me think that sometimes you don't really know who you married. It seems like Eric married a complete stranger, someone who was taking out all of this money and using it for who knows what, and also trying to poison him. It's just scary how, again, you can marry someone, but they can be a complete stranger. Now, it also came out that Corey had purchased fentanyl again after Eric's death from CL. Corey wrote CL a check for $1,300 that was dated March 6, 2022, but she didn't pick up the pills until March 9th or March 10th. Now, let's talk about some theories and kind of like unanswered questions that a lot of people have. Again, because the trial hasn't began, we have kind of like a limited perspective of what actually was the relationship between Eric and Corey. So a lot of people just have questions about it and, you know, they just don't really understand the financial aspect of it and, you know, why Eric was transferring their shared home that they both paid for into a trust that she didn't know about. So there's just a lot of unanswered questions. Their friends haven't come out and really spoken about the relationship only Linda has, but she didn't really know them too personal. I mean, she knew them, you know, from Home Depot, but she doesn't know the ins and out of the relationship. So maybe when the trial begins, more friends and, you know, other perspectives will come out. Also, are there claims about Corey poisoning Eric before even true? Because again, there's no hospital visits, no doctor visits. It seems to be only word of mouth from his family and friends. So again, there's just so many questions about that and why he would continue to eat or drink anything that Corey gave him. People also wonder about an epi because it can't save you from a fentanyl overdose. So why did he just use the EpiPen? You know, was he allergic to something? Maybe allergic to fentanyl? 
I don't know. Now, if Corey did poison Eric by putting fentanyl in his drink, why would she offer that information to the authorities? Also, something that people pointed out is that we know that the text messages came from Corey's phone between her and CL, but CL never actually did these exchanges with Corey in person. There was always just cash or a check left somewhere. So people kind of wonder, you know, was Corey actually the one receiving and buying these drugs? I don't know. Now, why did Corey also write this book and go on a promotional tour for it, knowing that it would attract attention to her and to her husband's death? Was she trying to make herself like the victim to avoid being caught? Or is she literally just a narcissist? You know, someone that craves this type of attention, even if it's bad attention, and she knows, you know, the possibility of her being caught is there, but she's just willing to do anything for attention. Now, the fentanyl purchase was for 15 to 30 pills two times. So what happened to all the other pills and why does she need them. Also, where did the GHB come from? I'm sure all of these questions will be answered at the trial, but since the hearing was moved, the trial probably won't be coming up anytime soon. As of now, Corey remains jailed without bond. And as for the book that Corey wrote, it was for sale on Amazon, but since this all went down, the book has now been taken down from the website. According to Greg, he said that the three children that Eric and Corey had are now staying with an unnamed relative while their mother awaits trial. Eric's sister, Katie, and the trustee to his estate filed for guardianship over the children. It just really breaks my heart. I mean, imagine finding out that your mom allegedly killed your father and poisoned him and then wrote a book that she would read to you every single night about how to deal with the loss of your father, all while knowing that she did it. Again, this is just allegedly. Now, as for the house that she bought the night before Eric died, the one that she says they were celebrating when they actually weren't because this house cost $2 million, well, two weeks after Eric's death, she put the mansion up for sale. Now, this house is massive. It literally is like a dream home. It has a basketball court, a volleyball court, a pool, a hot tub, like everything you need. Now, the house isn't fully finished yet, so I wonder if someone will buy this house or what's going to happen with it. Now, I was watching an interview with the anchors of Good Things Utah. You know, these are the anchors that interviewed Corey when she came out with the children's book. They said that it was shocking to learn that she had done this, that she killed her husband, allegedly, and was just on their show talking talking about this book, talking about how terrible it was that she lost her husband and her children and that they were grieving for their father. They did notice that she was kind of emotionless. You know, they thought it was a little bit weird that she wasn't crying or, you know, being too emotional while talking about the death of her husband. But they just figured that everyone grieves differently. You know, everyone reacts differently, so they didn't think too much about it. So the way Corey got this spot on the show in the first place is she actually emailed them and she asked them if she could go on there to talk about her new book. So she went on the show and they filmed it. Everything was great. Now, the night after the show premiered, the anchors say that they received an email saying, you know she killed her husband, right? This was an anonymous email. And at first, the anchors just thought that this was crazy. You know, they get a lot of crazy emails, so they didn't really think much about it. But then a few days later, one of the anchors received a message on their Facebook page. And this person said, you need to investigate her. She's actually a suspect in her husband's death referring to Corey. So they started digging into it and that's when the story broke publicly. That's when all the news stations started talking about it. So it was just a lot for them to take in. And I wonder who sent that anonymous email. If Corey actually did this, it's truly shocking how she was able to go on this talk show and, you know, talk about her husband's death and how heartbroken her kids are that their dad is gone and talk about how she made this great book to help children, all while knowing that she's the one that killed her husband. You know, that's the reason why her children are grieving in the first place because of her. It's just crazy to me and I don't get why she would write this book. 
It's probably because she wanted money. And again, it's just really shocking to watch back this interview. And it's just very eerie. My heart just absolutely breaks for the three boys. I cannot imagine going through something like this. First, losing your father in such a sudden way. And then eventually, you know, finding out that the reason your father died is allegedly because your mother poisoned him and then wrote a book about it. It's just a lot to take in. And I'm so sorry that this happened to these three boys. It seems like they honestly had such a wonderful father who loved them so much and just wanted them to have the best life possible. Eric was their soccer coach, you know, their friend, and all he wanted was to have a family. It's not fair that this happened, and my thoughts and prayers go out to Eric's family and friends. I truly hope that the truth comes out and that you all receive the answers and justice that you're looking for. But all right, you guys, that is pretty much everything I have for today's video. I know it was a lot to take in, so thank you so much for being here and for listening to Eric's case. If you guys want a follow-up video after the trial, please let me know, and we can definitely make a part two. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review what happened wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel for full video episodes. You can find me on Instagram at the Jackie Flores and on TikTok at True Crime Jackie. Thank you again for being here, and I will see you all in the next video. Bye, guys.